vampires and slayers. This is Mixtress Ray. You're listening to What's This Bitch Talking About? To which the answer to that question is every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer exactly, give or take a week, <laughs> 20 years after its original air date. So today we're talking about both episodes Beneath You and Same Time, Same Place um, from... The, the second and third episodes of season seven. Because um, last week I was very busy because it was my birthday weekend. <laughs> so I just like realized on like Sunday night, oh shit, I didn't do the Buffy podcast. And I was so worn out um, that it. I just decided I'm just going to put it off till next week. That's what's going to happen. So I know none of y'all even noticed, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Beneath You. Cool. This is the one where um, Buffy... What is this one? <laughs> I just watched it 10 minutes ago. My God. We're gonna... This is gonna be great. <laughs> Best podcast ever. Okay. Um, what I... Okay, so this is... It opens with... We're seeing someone in Germany. It's a very run, Lola run situation. Um, we're seeing this really cool looking chick. Like, let's just give her outfit of the episode, okay? Because she's wearing a cool, like, t-shirt with sort of a skeleton motif and a leather jacket and leather knee boots. Her pants are bad because it looks like they just took, like, pants and then rolled them all the way up so that you can see her knee boots. It's like, well, why, why isn't she just wearing like a cool mini skirt or something, you know, or if you wanted her to wear jeans, she could have been wearing a long skirt that had slits in it so that you could still see the boots. I don't know. Wrong choice of pants, but that is kind of 2002 for you. Like sometimes somebody will look cool from the waist up, but from the waist down, it's a mess every time. Um, so it's an, I mean, we know now because this is not a spoiler free podcast. Um, if this is your first time tuning in, we know now that like what we're seeing in these first two episodes of the season, I wish that they had continued this motif of like seeing different girls in different places being chased down or whatever. I mean, but I guess they thought it was enough of you know, it, it, I guess they thought they were getting their point across with there just being two episodes of that. Anyway, because I don't think we see this again. Um, but so we see her actually get stabbed. I think she has a nose ring, very, she has hot pink hair, just she's cool. It's too bad she didn't survive because she would have been a, one of the potentials that I would have wanted to get to know when we see them later in the season. But, um, so that's the opening scene. Spike is still crazy in the basement. Um, for those of y'all, okay, so I know that, like, using the word crazy is not exactly the best anymore. Um, and I've probably said this before. I'll, I'll say it again, though, just in case I didn't. I use the word crazy in the sort of general sense of like somebody's not a hundred percent 
in their sanity right now um, for whatever reason. Um, I know I, there are a lot of people that have stopped using the word crazy, but in my mind, the word crazy never really meant anything except this person is not totally 100% in their sanity right now. Um, I never personally saw it as an offensive term because it doesn't really refer to anything specifically. You know, it's, it just lets you know someone's not 100% in their sanity at all times. So that's how I'm using that word. Um, just, there you go. Information. There it is. I didn't light any candles, guys. I need to do that. That is important. I gotta have candles for the Buffy podcast. I'm gonna light my sandalwood tea candle. Oh, no, wait, it's not anymore. Because I used it all up. So I put a different candle in it. So it's just a patchouli candle. Okay. Just in case you guys want... <laughs> Um, that information. There it is. I'm having a hard time starting today. <laughs> ah, I think I'm getting slightly burned out from talking about Buffy. Um, but that's okay. We only have this one season left. And so let's just get into it. Um, there's an earthquake. Uh, Dawn... Xander is driving Dawn and Buffy to school because Buffy, this is her first day as a sort of guidance counselor light. Um, Dawn is excited about Buffy starting the new job, but then she also says, um, but d please don't talk to me ever or something like that. It's like, okay, um, little, little mis mixed messages there. Um, Principal Wood, we have another conversation between Principal Wood and Buffy. Just to let you know, this is going to be a recurring character. And he says to her, um, she's like, so what's this job description, <laughs> you know? And he's like, well, um, I, how I'm thinking it's going to work is like, at first students are going to be sent to you and then hopefully they will start to come to you on their own. You are the youngest person on the faculty you are the least stuffy, is what he says. And, you know, when kids come to you, um, what does he say? I actually wrote it down. Students will want to talk to you. And when they do, don't evaluate them. Just listen. Um, so it's kind of cool. Like, I'm pretty sure he knows that she's a slayer at this point, even though he's not letting that on. Because at one point he says to her, is there something about you I don't know that maybe I should? And Buffy's like, nothing I can think of. Blah, blah, blah. Um, so I think he knows about her and that's why he's given her this job. Um, yeah, I think he knows. And so that's that's a good thing. You know, I think that this has, even though we don't really see her in this role as guidance counselor very many times... You know, it ends up being a plot device just to get her closer to Principal Wood so that we find out more about his character, blah, blah, blah. But um, I still think it's cool that they did this, you know. It makes sense that she would be helpful in a position like this, right? Um, 
Buffy immediately, her first day on the job, the first thing she does is go to the basement to check on Spike. Because he's still in the fucking school basement. Why? <laughs> why is that the place he decided to be? That makes no sense to me. Uh, why is that the place he decided to be? It makes no sense to me. We get a little moment of um, flashing back to England. Willow is getting ready to get in a taxi to get on the plane um, to go home to Sunnydale and she's very worried and she's you know doing a bunch of what-ifs to Giles and he's like very much not helpful <laughs> like he says to her you may not be wanted but you will be needed it's like okay this is not a comforting Giles speech this is not helpful I mean it makes sense that she would be nervous to go back after everything that she did um so this conversation needed to take place I just feel like it was a little underwritten um, we see like the main like subplot of the episode is that, um, this girl, Nancy is taking her dog for a walk. It's a Yorkie, ugly as fuck. Sorry. If you like Yorkies, they're not my thing. Um, <laughs> it gets eaten by like, a worm, toothy worm monster thing. Um... And Nancy just runs into Xander on the sidewalk. I guess she probably lives in Buffy's neighborhood, I'm assuming. Um, and Xander runs into her, brings her back to Buffy's house. And um, then Spike shows up. He's dressed. His hair is the regular Spike hair. He's like bleached the roots and slicked it back. And um, he's acting sane. Um the, it's just funny to see him in that blue shirt and I don't, I don't know it's just weird um he shows up just to help and he's acting very calm very quote-unquote normal um and this is the moment where everybody finds out everybody being Xander and Dawn who are there with her and Nancy too um find out that Buffy did not Buffy saw him in the basement the week before and she did not tell anyone um, that she saw him. Um, Spike pulls Buffy aside and he's just like, you know, I'm here to help. If you need me, make use of me, whatever. And Buffy's like, since when did you become the champion of the people? Which is foreshadowing because at the end of the season, he will be the champion of the people. So there you go. And just in case you forgot... Xander reminds Buffy he tried to rape you. I don't, because she proposes a plan where, like, Xander takes Nancy home and um, Spike and Buffy go, like, investigate the scene where the puppy was taken. And um, he says he tried to rape you. I don't like this plan. Um, then as they're walking out, Dawn stops Spike and gives him a real scary speech, which I loved this, actually. She was like, you sleep, right? Vampire sleep. If you hurt my sister, she's like, I couldn't take you in a fight. But since you sleep, if you hurt my sister, you're going to wake up on fire. And I just love that so much. It was just, 
I love that at least right now we're getting this moment of like Dawn coming into her own power. And I just think that that's really fucking cool. I know I said it in the last episode, but I just think it's cool. I just do. There you go. Um, you're going to wake up on fire. Yes. Okay. I said that. <laughs> um, Buffy and Spike outside. Buffy's like, what is your deal? You're being weird. Because he is just genuinely, like, acting sane and helpful. And even whenever he was, you know, prior to, like, the rape attempt and all that shit, he was still, like, you know, he was definitely evil, definitely selfish, definitely obsessed with Buffy at all times. Right now, he's genuinely acting like, I showed up to help. Make use of me if you want. He actually, that's kind of what he says. And it's a very very even speech. He, you know, he, he says, I mean, he doesn't say the words, I don't have any ulterior motives, but for the first time ever, you get the feeling that he doesn't. He's just kind of like, you know, I'm here to help make use of me if you want. Um, I, there's no expectations, you know, that's it. That's, that's what he's here for. And he says, I've changed. And Buffy says something like, I believe that, but there's something you're not telling me. And Spike says, you're right, there is. But we're not best friends anymore, so too bad for me. I'm not sharing. So, like, he's not even here to, to brag about the fact that he got a soul. You know, he's not even here for that. And at this point, I think... Like, if you were watching this for the first time, at this point, you may suspect, maybe, possibly, you might suspect that that's what happened, but I don't think it's been explicitly stated yet until the end of this episode. He just says, I've changed, and he's, you know, if the old Spike would have immediately been like, I went and got my soul for you, bitch, what are you going to do about it? You know, he would have, he would have opened with that, but he didn't. Um... When Xander takes Nancy home, she kind of, like, flirts with him and asks him to, you know, go on a date after all this. Ronnie, the worm, shows up. At this point, I think we don't know that it's him, but Xander and Nancy talk afterwards. Like, what are the chances that you would be attacked twice in one night? Blah, blah, blah. Um, and through the conversation, Xander puts it together. Oh, you went to Anya. And she turned your ex-boyfriend into a worm demon. K. All right. Got it. Um, then we get, we see Anya at the club talking to a woman. And man, she looks great. Like if I hadn't already given outfit of the episode to the chick at the beginning, the potential slayer from Germany, I would have given it to Anya. Anya's a close second. She's her hair again. She looks best as a brunette, in my opinion. It's all flippy and cute. And she's wearing like this Peter Pan collar flower dress that is like knee length. Super cute. And she's wearing like little red, um, like tea, what's it called? Tea back? Tea. It's not a back though. It's the front. <laughs> They're like Mary Janes kind of, but they have a bit of a heel and they're red and they've got like the T-strap. T-strap? I don't know. Anyway, forgot what they're called, but she's got some awesome shoes on and she just looks fucking great. 
She just looks fucking great. That's all. She just does. Um, <laughs> whenever ever, so Xander, Spike, and Buffy show up to confront Anya um, with Nancy, Nancy in tow, and um, when Anya sees them walking in, she's like, oh, penis. <laughs> My mom thought that part was really funny. <laughs> Um, so they ask her to reverse the spell. Nancy's like very like, oh my God, who are you people? You know, that kind of thing. Um, they explain the situation to Anya and Anya goes, oh, puppy. And Xander says, that gets your sad noise. People's lives are in danger and you give it up for the Yorkie. And Anya says, you never understood me, Xander. And then Nancy's like, what the fuck is going on? It's like, cause she's put it together that there's something weird between Spike and Buffy whenever he came in, whenever she was at Buffy's house and it's like, Oh, Spike's Buffy's ex. And then, um, and now like they have to tell her that Anya is Xander's ex in this moment. And then, you know, like context between Spike and Anya, like, Nancy's like, what? You you two as well? Has anyone here not slept with each other? And then Xander and Spike look at each other funny for a second. It's like, okay, whatever. Queer bait. Um, let's see. Where are we? Okay, then Anya looks at Spike and she sees it. She sees his soul. And she just kind of says... I can see you. And I mean, I don't really know because this was 20 years ago, right? When I first saw this episode, I was seeing the episodes as they aired at this point. And I think this might have been the moment that I knew for sure what was going on. I think because the way that she looked at him was just like, oh, she she's seeing him. That means he has a soul again. I don't know. That seemed like the moment where it clicked for me. And it could just be because I over-identify with Anya's character. So that's the way that I remember it. And maybe it's a false memory, whatever. But that's that's how I remember it. Then um, Spike starts getting violent with Anya. It's kind of upsetting to see, honestly. Because at this point, like he's been being nice and good, quote-unquote. And to see him snap like this, I mean, I get why they were doing it. They were trying to show us that, yes, he has his soul now, but he's not going to be like Angel. This is a different deal. That's what they're trying to say to us. And then there's a moment of Buffy versus Spike and Spike saying some shitty stuff. You know, he's like, oh, is this first contact since... You want to have a no, another go on the balcony, love? And he like, glances up because they're in the Bronx. And it's just awful. It's just awful. Like, if he truly has his soul, and we're supposed to, and we truly are, we are supposed to forgive Spike for what he did. And generally I do. I'm just going to go on record as saying that. Generally I forgive Spike for what he did. Um, would I forgive someone in real life for attempting to rape me? Probably not. I really don't think so. But, you know, I, in the context of this show, 
I understand why it's being written the way that it is, and they do a good job of redeeming him. However, well, do they do a good job of redeeming him? Actually, I don't know at this point. Um, so far, I was on board until he started saying that shit. Because a person, whenever they, like, pick you apart like that to make you feel bad, and that's what he's doing in this moment, he is inciting Buffy to beat him up. He's provoking her. And I get that he's lashing out because he's not... He's not ready to talk about this whole soul thing. He doesn't know what kind of person he is now. He hasn't worked any of that out yet. Remnants of his old self still exist, blah, blah, blah. Like, I get it, I get it, I get it. But that's kind of a deal breaker for me, just the way that he was treating Buffy in this moment. Just saying. Nancy leaves whenever Spike, when he first hits Anya, um, Nancy's just like, I'm out of here because she basically, you know, said that her ex Ronnie was abusive. So, you know, this is probably triggering for her. Um, she leaves. She also gets chased again by Ronnie, the worm boy. And so she's running for her life and Xander, I think Buffy goes to help. Buffy and Spike both go to help. Nancy, because they catch up to her at some point, and we also see that Xander stayed behind to talk to Anya to try to talk sense into her, because she can reserve, reverse the spell, because it's her vengeance spell that turned Ronnie into the monster, so she can reverse it just by breaking the curse. Like, she's the only one that can, actually. And they don't make a huge deal, if I remember correctly, they don't make a huge deal out of you know, hitting you over the head with that because we know vengeance demons at this point. If you've been watching the show, you know, only a vengeance demon can break her spell. That's it. So I don't, I feel like they didn't make a huge deal out of that, which was nice. You know, they just assume that you get it. Okay. Where are we? Um, Spike is like fighting the wormy guy and then he has like a rebar, a piece of rebar piping or something. And he stabs Ronnie just as Anya breaks the spell and he reverts back into a human. So this is a moment to see that Spike's chip is still working. Because as, as soon as he turns back into a human, Spike's chip activates because he's stabbing him in that moment. And um, you can also see the remorse on Spike's face. Like normally whenever we see him react when he's hurt a human, he's just reacting to the pain. But in this moment, he's reacting to the emotional pain in addition to the physical pain of his chip activating. And we see that happen. And I think Buffy sees it too. Um, and this is the moment where Spike is triggered back into, like, he, like, it's, he flips a switch where he's no longer sane, quote unquote. He's, so he's been going through some mood swings tonight, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Oh, throughout the whole episode, people keep saying, from beneath you, it devours. I don't know if they said that in the first episode. I feel like they did, but I don't know. It's been a couple weeks now, so I don't remember for sure. But I think... 
think they said it in the first episode, but if not, they've been saying it repeatedly in this episode. And it's an interesting connotation that I didn't think about this time until this time watching it. But one of the things with Buffy is that she repeatedly told Spike, either literally or just this was the essence of what she was saying whenever they were in a relationship, is that she could never love him because he is beneath her. So that is something that is also part of the double meaning of this episode. They keep talking about this from beneath you, it devours thing, which is the big bad of season seven, which is the first, which we don't know that yet. But that's what the from beneath you, it devours is referring to on the surface, but underneath it's also talking about the relationship between Spike and Buffy because he was beneath her before he became whole, before he got his soul back. So we'll come back to that at the end of the episode discussion, but, um, where are we? So Spike, this is like an amazing riveting scene because James Marsters is such a good actor. But, you know, we see him go from being, you know, normal, normal, quote unquote, Spike um, to like crazy and like just like that. And it's really fun to watch, actually. He's so good. And he um, that's one of the reasons why this episode is so good, because he has several kind of like monologue moments where he gets to show his chops as an actor. And it's just it's so fun. It's so fun to watch. Fun and heart-wrenching and everything he wants you to feel, you feel. You know? He's so good. Anyway. So, where are we? Spike says the from beneath you it devours when he's in his crazy state. And he also says, poor Rocky. And at first I was like, who the fuck is Rocky? But Rocky's the name of the dog. Um, so it's like, he's processing all of this. Like, this is the moment where he snaps back out of his sanity mode. And it's like his, he's been keeping his emotions at bay all night. You know, like either he was being mature, um, mature spike in, in mature insult spike. Or he was being like crazy old spike, um, or asshole old spike but still keeping his emotions at bay. But now he's allowing himself to react like, you know, Oh, poor Rocky. And so that was just a sweet moment. Um, Nancy like says to Anya, what are you? And you can tell that Anya is kind of like, she says to Anya, like you did this. What are you? And you can tell that Anya's kind of hurt by that. And she's kind of thinking to herself, I don't know. I don't know what I am, you know? Um, Buffy goes after Spike. because Spike has run off at this point and um, leaves Anya and Xander with Ronnie and Nancy. Like, Buffy has used her cell phone. We see the cell phone again to call an ambulance um, for Ronnie because he's been stabbed, but he's not dead. Um, ah, Buffy, Buffy finds Spike in a church in the cemetery. Like, have we ever seen a church in the cemetery? Never before and never again, I think, most likely. 
maybe we go to the church at another point in the season. Anyway, I don't know. But she finds him in there. Just She just somehow knows that he's in there. She looks at the church and she's like, yep, Spike's in there. <laughs> okay, sure, whatever. Um, she's drawn to him, I guess. She's drawn to his lure, to his uh, glamour. Um, I don't know. Um, so this last scene is super fucking powerful. It's just so good because it's all driven by James Marsters, you know? Spike is topless and Buffy's like, what are you doing? Like, cause he's half naked, you know? And Spike says, costume didn't help. Couldn't hide. And he throws the shirt, like discards it into a corner or something. So he's topless this whole scene. Buffy reaches out, I think, to, like, touch his scars or something. Like, the scars that... They've mostly healed, but from the last episode, he had all these self-inflicted scars um, on his chest. And she reaches out, and he's like, No touching! Am I flesh to you? And then he has this little monologue where he... You know, basically, he is telling Buffy, I'm beneath you because I didn't have the spark. He's calling a soul the spark. I didn't have the spark, so I'm not flesh to you. Basically, I'm not man enough for you, you know? Um, And then he says something about, you know, get it hard, service the girl. And he starts to, like, unzip his pants. And Buffy's like, stop it. And she throws him across the room. And he says, right, girl doesn't want to be serviced because there's no spark. You know, so he's totally in, like, crazy spike mode right now. But, like, everything he's saying, you know, makes sense. Um, you know, it's just the way that he's saying it, right? And he starts talking about, you know, Angel should have warned me, blah, 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 blah. And as soon as he says the name Angel, that's when Buffy gets it. And again, because Sarah Michelle Gellar is such a good actor, you see it in her face. Like, she's looking at Spike so confused. Like, what the fuck is he talking about? But she's interested and she's listening and she wants to know what's going on with him and she's listening, but she doesn't, she's very confused until the second he says angel and then she puts it all together and you can see it on her face. She, it immediately switches. Like, both Sarah Michelle Gellar and James Marsters can do that sort of like emotional turning on a dime thing, which is just so, again, it's just so fascinating to watch. And so she gets it. As soon as he says that, she gets it, even though she doesn't say anything yet. And he's saying, I wanted to give you what you deserve. And I got it. They put the spark in me. Now all it does is burn. Which is just, you know, it's just, it's just so beautiful the way that this this episode, the scene is written, the way that they're having him describe giving back his soul is just so beautiful, you know, like, and she's, she realizes it and she's kind of crying a little bit and she's like, but why, why did you do this? And he's like, oh, come on, (laughs) you know, but instead of saying all the shit that he would have said before, which is like, you know, I love you, I'm obsessed with you, I'll kill Drusilla for you, you know, all the shit that no soul Spike would have said. He says it differently. He says, for her to be hers, to be the kind of man who would never, and he's looking at her at this point, 
who would never, like, as in the attempted rape. Like, this entire episode is the the beginning of the road to redemption to come back from the attempted rape. It's almost like, I wonder if, I really think that the writers did not totally know what the fuck was happening at the end of season six. I don't think that they knew that he was going to get his soul back, number one. I kind of don't think they knew that. And they maybe were trying to just get rid of Spike. Like, no one's going to forgive him after this. But then they just couldn't get rid of him. So they brought him back. That's my theory. I don't I don't have anything to substantiate that. That's just my theory. So anyway, he says, for her to be hers, to be the kind of man who would never, to be a kind of man. And then he, like, sort of, like, artfully uh, collapses onto the crucifix in the big, like, cross in the church. And, like, his skin starts steaming because, you know, cross vampire. And he's just like, can we rest now? Like, it's just sort of like this sort of childlike, I did this for you. Um, I have my soul now. Am I worthy of you now? You know, because at at his core, and this is very character driven, and this is why this is a good show. At his core, from the very fucking beginning, Spike has just been a lovesick puppy, right? He will do absolutely anything to stay in the good graces of the person that he loves. Absolutely anything. I mean, it wasn't like a goodness within him that led him to going to get his soul back. He went to get his soul back because he's obsessed with Buffy. And that obsession has now become actual love now that he has a soul and he can. Now that he can love, he is, you know? Um, And this is just an extremely touching scene. It's usually I cry (laughs) when I'm taking copious notes for a podcast. I'm not crying, but usually I cry during this scene because they needed to address this. You know, they couldn't just have him come back and not talk about the rape, the attempted rape. Um, so this episode addresses it. You know, it's all about exes. The ex-Ronnie that got turned into a worm. Ex-Xander and Anya. Ex, um, ex-Buffy and Spike. You know, it's all about exes. And, you know, anyway. So that's the episode. So, um, ratings for the episode. Object of the episode. Hmm object of the episode you know what I want Anya's dress it's pretty it's a black pattern Peter Pan collar with um, flowers on it so it's my it's my kind of thing I would definitely wear that to work for sure Um, outfit of the episode is the Lola chick at the beginning um, quote of the episode, it's gotta be from beneath you, it devours <laughs> because, oh, it's just good. MVP of the episode, 
Huh. Who would that be? Let's give it to, let's just give it to Spike. I mean, does he deserve it? Maybe not, but let's give it to Spike because, you know, Angel never would have sought out his own soul. Never. Like, what vampire, like, Spike is a different kind of vampire, for sure. He's not just ruthlessly evil like all the other vampires. He definitely is bad news. He's a bad boyfriend. He's not good. But he is different. There's something different about him. Because he was such such a lovelorn person in life, some of that actually carried over into his undead life, you know? So the fact that he actually sought out a soul is a big deal. And... Okay, I'm going to give it to him. This is a very, this was a very good episode. And it was a pretty classic Buffy episode structure of just like, there's sort of the plot of like Ronnie that got turned into the worm, the situation that we have to deal with. But it's also, there's like little bits of foreboding to go into the general main arc of the season. Um, And we have like, the emotional weight of the Buffy and Spike relationship. Um, so yeah, all the parts, all the parts are working in this episode. Let's say it's four out of five. I'll give it a four out of five. Usually I give it like a three and a half every fucking week if it's pretty good. <laughs> okay. Now we're talking about same time, same place. So this is the, ep- this is the episode where Willow is, Willow gets back, but she's so afraid um, to see everybody because she's afraid that they're not going to accept her. She's very scared to see them again, blah, blah, blah. She's so afraid to see them again that she unintentionally does a spell where she can't see them and they can't see her. So um, that's that's the episode. It's like Buffy, Dawn, and Xander meeting Willow at the airport. She gets off the plane, but she can't see them and they can't see that she got off the plane. So they think that she is, you know, weaseling out of, um, weaseling out of, like they thought that she ran away from the airport or something and didn't actually come home and she's ducking, she's avoiding Giles and avoiding everyone. And then like some demon shows up and starts flaying this starts like killing people and they're skinless. And so everybody's like, Oh my God, was this Willow and Willow can't find anybody. That's basically the episode, right? Um, let's see, let's go through my notes because I kind of feel like that's all I want to say about this episode, but surely there's more than that. Oh yeah, there is, there is, there is demon versus kid. Um, Willow gets home, no one's there, but they really are. Willow's room is now Buffy's. So Joyce's room that became Willow and Tara's room is now Buffy's room. Important. (laughs) Important that we know that, right? I mean, Buffy's the matriarch at this point. So she really should have the big room. 
She really should. She's a slayer. She needs an ensuite bathroom. You know what I mean? <laughs> she just does. Ooh. That's my last little drink of whiskey. <clears throat> okay. Um, so Willow's really sad. She falls asleep on the couch. Buffy, Xander, and Dawn are sitting on the couch. So they're literally in the same place at the same time. Literally. Throughout the whole episode, that's the motif. They're always in the same place at the same time. At one point, they're talking to Spike. And they're all there. But since Spike is crazy in the basement, still... When is he going to get out of the fucking basement? Hopefully next episode. Um, and he's talking to all of them. But, you know, they just think he's nuts. <laughs> they don't realize what's happening. They're all in the same room together. They can't see each other. Yep. Um, Willow. Okay, so the best part of this episode is Willow and Anya together. Um, because I love Anya so much. I just, I love everything they're doing with her character. She's just so much more interesting when she's not with Xander. Um, she is, so Willow goes to the magic box to talk to Anya. And so Anya can see her because Willow wasn't scared to see Anya. She was scared to see Dawn, Buffy, and Xander. And that's it. So Anya can see her and they have a little discussion Anya's wearing her Labradorite. I think this is the first time. Is this the first time we actually see it? Did we see it in the first episode? Technically, I don't know. But it is her power amulet for her vengeance demon. This is not the same as the amulet that she had. The talisman amulet, whatever you call it. Um, every vengeance demon has one, like a power pendant. Um... This is not the same one that she had when we first met her back in season two or three. I can't remember. One of those. It's not the same one. She has a new one now that she's come back to the fold. And it's a Labradorite, which is my favorite stone of all time. And I also just think Anya is, you know, she's an, an autistic surrogate character, right? Or whatever you call that. Um... She is that. And I don't know. I just identify with her. I'm also a brunette who wears a Labradore all the time. <laughs> anyway. Um, let's see. Where are we? Willow at school goes to talk to Spike. Buffy and Xander are there too. And he says, everyone's talking to me. No one's talking to each other. Um, Xander makes a comment. You can't use blueprints to find your way around down here in the basement. It's like the walls move or something. So at least that, that kind of ties up. Like before I was like, how, how did Xander not know about all this shit happening in the basement? He had the blueprints. So this, this explains that. So I retract that statement from before. <laughs> um, we kind of get the idea in this in this basement scene with Spike. This is the only, this is the only scene with Spike in it in this episode, I think. Um, we get the idea, most likely Buffy has not told anyone that Spike has a soul now. Um, because, you know, Michael earlier today was like, why is Buffy always lying about, like, what's happening with 
the dudes that she likes in her life. It's like, yep. Um, so she probably hasn't told everyone what the fuck's going on, as per usual. Um, um, Willow goes to Anya. Um, Willow goes to see Anya at her apartment um, and asks for her help. And she just sort of walks in. Um, and Anya's like, come in, enjoy my personal space. <laughs> that was awesome. Um, and then at some point during the conversation, I wrote a lot of the dialogue between Willow and Anya in this scene. Um, so Willow's asking for Anya's help with a spell. And, um, so, okay, here's this exchange. Willow at one point asks Anya, when did you get all insightful? And Anya's like, I'm surprisingly sensitive. Willow's like, will you help me? And Anya's response is, is it difficult or time consuming? <laughs> Which I just want to say that like every time someone asks me for their, for their help, for my help. Is it difficult or time consuming? <laughs> I love this. Come in, enjoy my personal space. I love Anya so much. Um... At one point, oh my god, my kitten, she probably needs to be fed right now, so I must, I must answer her requests. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> she comes and talks to me, and I'm upstairs sitting in a closet talking to myself. She comes and talks to me when she's hungry, even though Michael is downstairs like 20 feet from her food bowl. <laughs> anyway. Um, okay. So they kind of start talking about, like, essentially the scene is all the emotional undercurrent of the whole situation is that Willow and Anya understand each other on a certain level at this point. Because Anya's gone back to vengeance, and she's a demon now. And, um, Willow just did a bunch of evil shit, so she understands. Right? Um, so Willow's kind of asking Anya how she is doing and stuff like that and Anya says the vengeance the vengeance itself it's not as fulfilling as I remember causing pain sounds really cool I know but it turns out it's really upsetting and Willow says something back I didn't write this part down but she says something to the effect of are you afraid you're going to lose control and the power is going to overtake you and then you don't have control of the power anymore and blah 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 and Anya says, wow, that was really overdramatically stated. But yeah, that's it. So it's just like they establish in the scene that they kind of get each other. Um, and the whole thing was like it was a spell to like find demons on a map. And it's a similar spell that Willow and Tara did at one point. And there's this whole like stupid exchange between them where like Anya says, is this going to get sexy? And Willow's like, I'd be surprised. And at the end of the scene, Anya blows out a candle in the same way that Tara did after a spell that they did together back in season four. Um, it's, I don't know. I don't like, again, queer baiting. I feel like there's some queer baiting in this episode. Um, so yeah, I didn't, I didn't really like that, but whatever. It is what it is. Um, we get a cool scene with like, so they're doing research as to like, who could it possibly be other than Willow that 
takes the skin off of something. They're trying to, like, figure out what's going on. And Dawn is on some kind of demon database or something online. And she's doing a great job. She's researching. She's figuring out shit. Um, yeah. Dawn's the best. So far this season, I like Dawn a lot. I really do. Um, then there's a the whole thing with the, with a cave and the demon and like Willow's investigating and Buffy, Xander and Dawn are investigating. They're doing it separately cause they don't know that they can't see each other. Um, and they end up finding the demon in this cave and Anya's there. Um, or no, wait, not yet. Um, they go to the cave. The demon has some paralytic toxin in his long fingernails. Um, he scratches Dawn. Dawn is then paralyzed, so they have to carry her back home. They call Anya to come watch Dawn while they go back to the cave. They've shut in the cave because they were thinking, um, you know, let's seal this demon inside the cave and the, then we can come back for him, you know? Um, but in so doing, because they didn't know that Willow was in the cave, she got sealed in with the demon. So the demon is like cutting off little flecks, little strips of Willow's skin. And I really like this demon. Just the way that he, I don't know, the, the whole vibe of this demon, it works for me. Because <laughs> he's like, got a little sing-songy voice. His fingernails make this fun little sound whenever he clicks them together. <laughs> I don't know. I just like, I just like this demon. Um, it, I mean, it's gross. It's gross. He's cutting off little strips of willow skin and eating it. I don't like that part, but like overall the vibe of this demon is cool. <laughs> he could be in a music video or something. <laughs> anyway, um, so when Anya shows up, to watch Dawn because she's paralyzed. Um, Anya is like, you know, I'm feeling benevolent today. I helped Willow. I'm helping you. And everybody's like, what? Willow? You saw Willow? And so this is where they put it together, kind of. Um, they realize that Willow was going to the cave. They take Anya with them. This whole comical scene of like Dawn is paralyzed and they're just kind of being funny about it, not taking it too seriously, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, they all go to the cave. Anya, Buffy, Xander. Yeah, Anya, Buffy, Xander. Go to the cave and um, Anya can see Willow, but no one else can. So then they put it all together that like, oh, she's here. Okay. They're all here. She's paralyzed. She, you know, she's being eaten by the demon, whatever. Buffy kills the demon. Um, oh, we find out that the this type of demon is called a gnarl demon. And he is immune to magic. Um, so I did not understand this at any point until this time watching it with when I was taking notes and reading the... I don't know. Do you guys have this problem too? Or like... I don't, it's like, I don't understand what's going on with the plot unless I'm pausing every once in a while, taking notes, reading the subtitles. Like, I don't know. Um, 
I think I'm a little obtuse. But anyway, I didn't understand that he was immune to magic, even though it's said in the dialogue. That's why Willow, that was their explanation for why Willow couldn't save herself right now, because she is really fucking magic proficient. You know, she should be able to save herself right now. So it it always kind of confused me that she couldn't save herself, but it makes sense now that I know that he is immune to magic for some reason. Because at one point he's like, I love spells. Spells are my friends. They leave me alone. And she was like, oh, so you're immune to magic? Like, it's right there in the dialogue, but I didn't get it until this time. I've seen this episode how many fucking times in my life, and I didn't get it until now. That's why I do this podcast. (laughs) So I can learn things about Buffy. (laughs) Anyway. um, Yeah, so basically, Buffy defeats the demon um as soon as like willow she makes the realization oh my god oh my god they're here they're here and anya's like yeah they're here right now buffy just killed the demon it was gross um they're here they didn't abandon you and willow's like oh my god oh my god and as soon as she realizes that they accept her that they want her to be there that they're helping her she suddenly becomes visible to them So we find out at the end of the episode, and this is a really sweet scene. Both of these episodes that I'm talking about today, like the scene at the very end was really touching and really sweet. So at the end, Willow is in Buffy's old bedroom. So that's where she's been stationed, I guess, now that she's back. And she's sitting on the bed and she's got a bandage on her stomach and she is like meditating or something. And Buffy comes in wearing terrible fucking 2002 pants she's been wearing throughout the episode. And (laughs) neither here nor nor there. She comes in and she, um, like, asks Willow what she's doing. And Willow's like, I'm meditating, you know, I'm I'm concentrating on growing skin. And um, Buffy, she's exhausted. Willow's exhausted. And they have this conversation and they're like reconnecting as friends, Willow and Buffy. Like this is really a nice moment, really is a nice moment. And Buffy sits down across from Willow and she's like, um, Willow's saying something about how she, it requires a lot of strength to do what she's doing. She doesn't have the strength. And Buffy's like, I've got lots of strength. Can I give it to you? And then the episode ends with like them holding hands and like sitting across from each other on the bed and um like meditating essentially so buffy is lending willow her slayer strength to help heal her with magic and it's really cool because this was just like a very open conversation like willow was basically saying you know it's okay if you don't have total 100 percent confidence in me i don't either Like, I'm doing the best that I can. And she essentially says to Buffy that it was her. She knows it was her that made that spell. And so Buffy's like, what? You did a spell without even realizing it? Willow's like, yeah. um, I have a lot to learn about controlling my power, blah, blah, blah. So they're setting up, you know, like by the end of the season, Willow's going to, you know, use her power to do an incredible, incredibly amazing thing that changes the course of Slayer history forever which is really fucking cool 
So she's going to get to that point of like total witch actualization, right? But right now it's tenuous. And this was just a cool open conversation. It really was. Um, everybody's open with Buffy, but Buffy's not open back with them. Fucking bullshit, but whatever. It was sweet. Um, okay, let's do ratings for this episode. Didn't take as many notes for this episode as the last one. Object of the episode. Object of the episode. Hmm. I don't remember anything. I mean, I would say, okay, let's go back to the first episode of the season. Okay, so we did see Anya's Labradorite in the first episode because my object of the episode was a talisman, okay? So I can't say that again. I already have a Labradorite. I have one that's prettier than the one that Anya has, to be honest, but <laughs> what is my object of the episode? You know, I should stop forcing it. You know, if it's not there, it's not there. I don't remember anything cool in this episode, so nothing. Outfit of the episode. Hmm. At the beginning of the episode, Buffy was wearing this really cool, it was like a super dark brown sort of slip top with like um, a cream colored lace. Um, the rest of the outfit was probably terrible, but I'll give it to her just because it was the best that anyone was wearing in this episode. Um... God, Xander was just wearing, like, a fucking, like, nondescript white t-shirt or something in this episode. Like, or was that the last episode? Like, they're not even trying to make him look good anymore, which is sad. Um, MVP. I'm gonna give it to Anya. Because we're seeing the sort of, like... We're seeing the evolution of her character and we're seeing more about her as a person. Like she has been defined by Xander most of the time that we've known her. Like, yes, she's been, you know, newly human and strangely literal, but she, we haven't gotten a very good sense of who she is until now. So I'm going to give it to her. Quote of the episode. Was there even a quote? I'm just going to say, is it difficult or time-consuming? <laughs> Even though it's not, like, really a quote, but... Yes, I'm writing it down and making you listen to me write. Okay. Five by five. I mean, it was a good episode. Definitely. But it's a pretty classic Buffy episode. Nothing super amazing about it, though, so I'll give it a three out of five. So there you go. I'll be back next week, so next Saturday, a week from today, with the episode entitled Help. I'm going to consult my episode guide because usually off the top of my head, hearing the name of the episode, I know exactly what it is, but this one, I don't. So let me, I need to go in the other room and get it. Hold on. Oh my God. So I have a bookmark in my episode guide. That I advance.
but apparently I have not consulted this episode guide since season six, episode 19. So there you go. Okay then, where are we? What's happening? Help. Okay. Next episode, when a student comes to Buffy's office and tells her that she knows she'll be dead by the following Friday, Buffy does everything in her power to make sure that doesn't happen. Okay. That's a really powerful episode. I remember that now. Okay. Also a pretty classic Buffy episode. Okay, so I'm looking forward to that. Cool, cool, cool. Um, it's a typo in that. Okay, all right. I'm just looking to see who, who wrote and directed the last couple episodes. Beneath You... Written, written by Douglas Petrie, directed by Nick Mark. This episode, same time, same place. Written by Jane Espenson, directed by James Contner. Jane Espenson. So she writes a lot for like characters like Willow. Jane Espenson write will will be writing a lot this season for like all the nerds. Okay, cool, awesome. All right. I don't know. Now I'm just getting distracted by the book and I don't need to do that with you here. Okay. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>